Introducing the Nexus 360, Diderio's first rechargeable omnidirectional tuner. Visible at every turn, from any angle, no matter where you wind up. Nexus 360, built for your next stage. Guitar hanging out today in Nashville, Tennessee at Dark Matter with Alan of Shiner. Alan, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Very well. Uh, we'll get off this. We might as well make this point noted now that uh, Josh is unable to uh, hang out with us today and talk gear. As we all know in the gear community, Josh is a big gearhead, flies that flag proudly, but he has uh, got other jobs to handle right now. But that aside, we are still stoked to talk to Alan and Thank Paul. You. Alan, now this guitar looks like a Tele. It is a Tele, but it's not a Fender. It is not. It is a Honer Telecaster. Uh, I got it, we found it at Saul's Pawn Shop in Kansas City, Kansas. Okay. On lunch break, in between, at our job at the uh, dental. Um, you and Paul are urchins for gear like that. Well, especially Paul. I'll give him all the credit. And he was <laughs> like, oh, there's this guitar hanging on the wall at Saul's Pawn Shop. And it was like 90 bucks. And I go, I go, it looks really cool. And he goes, he goes, I'll do the talking. And so uh, we got it for a reasonably great price. And then um, it turns out that this had been just like the toy guitar for some, one of our buddies. Um, and it had been the trash guitar sitting around there like Playhouse. And it had been like, so I didn't do any of this damage on here. Wow. It's like, I would love to take credit for having antiqued it, but I, I cannot take credit for that. It's just, I've only made it better as it goes along. How long have you had this? I have had it since 91. Okay, wow, so that's, that's yeah. With it, all the Shiner material. Yes, yes, and this has been the main go-through. I don't always track with this, but I will, it's generally a mainstay live. It just plays so comfortable. It's such a, such a great neck, and just the, the sound of it is what I want, you know, so. Now, what would you track with? Like, you guys released your uh, most recent record in 2020. Mm -hmm. What was used for that in comparison to what you use live here? We use several different things. Um, I did use this some. We used... Uh, my, I think the, a lot of the main tracking is with the Univox. Okay. We, I have a Univox um, Les Paul Jr. and it's maybe my best guitar. It's my best sounding guitar, but it's like just not right for live all the time. Mm -hmm. But tracking, I would say it's probably my best sounding guitar. And does this guitar get used for your other projects? Or is this just kind of like a Shiner live guitar? No, I will use this with Life and Times also, but I also, I mainly use my, uh, I have an Oscar Schmidt, uh, uh, 335 knockoff that I got. It's a, I want to say it's an, it's a Washburn, and um, I got it for $29 at uh, the. Uh, I'm not kidding, and it's amazing. I got it at that uh, musician's friend scratch and dent that we were talking about earlier. I feel like that's going to be the theme of our conversations today between you and Paul. That's kind of how we work. We have a lot of great gear from picking. You yeah. Know? And so, anything specific to this guitar that we should know about, like wiring? Obviously, it's beat to hell, but is there it's like both pickups? Do they work? Yeah, they work. Okay. Everything works great. Um, Original one you got in '91? No, they've been replaced. They've been replaced once. New pots. I've had it redone, but not in the past like 10 years. 
Um, it's had new everything along the way, um, and different people work on it, but at this point, I haven't really messed with it so much in the past 10 years. So. It just is what it is. I just love it. All right. Um, well, it looks well-loved. And <laughs> <laughs> for strings and tunings, what are you typically riding? I use uh, 11 to 50s. Okay. We use um, Dunlops. I use, um, I use Jim Dunlops, 11 to 50s. Um, we are in D standard tuning. So um, it is a good tuning for us, although I, I feel like sometimes when I'm playing an E standard, you really hear the guitar ring and resonate so much yeah. more. But at this point, we're in D standard for all this, for all of it. So, and we continue to write in it, and we like it. Um, and so then, when it, if we're in D, playing a D chord, we will tune down so that be to C, drop C. All right. But we don't say that, you know. Even though this is a C chord, we still would call it a D chord yeah. just for clarity. Familiar, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And. This uh, friend over here, I know that you said that uh, off camera that this is kind of mainly a backup, but we should at least uh, acknowledge it. So Indeed. Um, it's just had a new bridge put on it that I got from Josh Newton. Thank you, Josh. Um, it needs a little bit of nut work up here. I got it from Chris Metcalf, the drummer in Life and Times. All right. And um, it is a good friend. I did a lot of tracking for the Life and Times record, and the neck pickup is the real the that's money maker? the money maker on this guitar, I would say. That's the one that um, is the most effective for tracking. Um, but yeah, it's going to get up and running. I need to get it up at a higher level of rockability. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm curious because Josh is such an asset to you know that his I don't want to say his main gig, but uh, pays the bills is doing tech work. Yeah. Do you guys bother him with that when you guys are on the road or you know around yes. him? Yes, he has had to do some things I'm and step in, but. We're, Paul's pretty techy, I'm okay, and Josh is very techy, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I try not to bother with him, but he's like, he goes, what's that buzz? And I was like, what buzz? It's barely buzzing. He was like, starts you know, switching out cables and finds it, and he can get to the source of things pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. He's great. Well, let's move on to amps. Speaking of Indeed. buzzing, let's move on to amps. Yeah. Now this setup is kind of, uh, I've been familiar with this in terms of your live gear for a while. Is this like dating? Because they look well-worn. They are well-worn. Dropped a few times. Uh, well, maybe, probably. Um, <laughs> I got this in 97, new. Okay. This is a Vox AC30. It's the top boost reissue. And so it's able to get a little bit more gain and it's maybe louder. It's, but I love it. It adds a lot to my sound. It really fills in a lot of the gaps in the middle that this is more like a, um, a top and bottom kind of thing. It's a stereo, they're, they're in stereo All pair. Right. And um, I, if I'm just using one amp, I'll use the high watt here. And um, this guy was procured from Dwayne Trower of Season to Risk. Um, I gave him $500 and uh, another amplifier, like in, in its stead, that's not near as good. So yeah. I won on this one. Clearly. Uh, I believe this one was used, it's a 71, and was used in the touring um, production of Tommy, the musical. Wow. I believe, that is my understanding. Um, and it smokes, I can use it for bass, I can use it for guitar. It's got a cool mod here where this is like a pre-gain. This, right. this first master volume, if I crank it like this, I can get a lot of, uh, um, a lot of drive from it. Yeah, because normally high watts are no, so clean headroom. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, 
and it adds a lot. I don't usually use that live. It's I'm usually pedal powered on as far as my distortion live in the live setting. All right. But if I'm tracking and want a certain sound, I can get it out of this. And there's a pretty cool gain staging between all these. Um, and uh, now, do you record with these amps? Oh yeah. I, okay. Oh yeah. And I use this setup, and a lot of times, just one stereo pair is great you know I'll sometimes double it you know just for thickening but like yeah, you don't really need massive. it it's yeah. massive enough and for shiner stuff I usually try to just do one of my tracks and not double them for life and time stuff I would definitely kind of double things up and yeah. do Be that three piece. yes yes and should we know anything before we move on to the pedals about the speakers stock anything special that um, you're going between the two I you know I couldn't tell you okay. these are probably 35 watt and these are um, Celestians, I believe. Did you so, get the the cab in the deal too? This, no, just the I, this was procured from Josh Newton. Okay. <laughs> continues to come up. We call him Nooch. We call him Nooch. The Nooch. The Nooch. So we were using this. Um, he was using this with his high wah, I believe, and then uh, he sold it to me for a song, okay. literally a song. And so that's no, great. It's two hundred dollars. <laughs> so, uh, but it sounds great. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been a real workhorse. Well, right on. This is, this is the point where we get to talk pedals, and uh, nice. the first thing we're going to talk about, Alan, is a vocal pedal and how that plays into your setup. Indeed. So it will take, the pedal will read the quality of the chord that I'm playing, whether it's major or minor. And you can set that. And I can set that, I can set this setting to say a third above the root note. Okay. So if I'm playing this handy A chord, hey, and then I will add this, it goes, Hey, that's actually a fifth above. But uh, <laughs> so it's really handy for for all kinds of stuff, actually. And and uh, if you don't have it too loud, there's not a lot of like artifacts and weird stuff with it. Um, and it mixes in very well. And you just kind of pick and choose your spots for it. So, the harmonies are huge for like with the Shiner music. So is that sure. something you've had in the '90s and early 2000s? Or no, because the technology wasn't there. No, that's it, it was just. We did it, but we Paul's a good singer and has done a lot of that, and yeah. we just kind of did without on some other parts that were more difficult. Um, but I love this TC Helicon pedal a lot. Um, the Harmony Singer, and it works really good for like singer-songwriters kind of stuff, and it's a little more difficult to make it follow a single line, like unless it knows, unless you're playing a chord that has quality to it, mm -hmm. like that has a, if it's just root and fifth, it wouldn't know, it would have to have, the third, either major or minor. Um, so then next it comes into the my volume pedal. Comes out to these MXR pedals, which are my lifeblood. I love MXR stuff. Yeah, it's, it's dependable. So yeah, and so high quality. Um, and then out. So it's basically several gain stages here. You can go clean, or you can add this. The this this micro amp, just the classic. And it adds a little zoom, and then this is quite rocked out. Or, yeah. I can, you know, I can just use the distortion. And then that adds a bump when you add the microamp yeah. to it, too. So the pog's a big part of the equation for life and times especially, but I use it in the Shiner set, too. I love that it will follow and doesn't like get mushy it, it actually is oh, it sounds like a kaleidoscope when it's when it's yeah. on you know it's like it really opens up um, I love this 
uh, I think it's the M300 reverb pedal. It's, it's as, as long and spacey as you want. It's got a, like six different settings. Um, and it's just a great MXR product. I really love it. And then my final part of the whole pedal board is the Line 6 DL4. I know everybody has that, but yeah. it is how it goes out to the two amps. And so when it's played, you have a little stereo delay. adds a lot. Now in the Shiner equation, I know Josh isn't here to speak for himself, but uh, we won't talk to him today, but we already have is his fill-in currently is Mario from Spotlight. So Mario is running almost as identical Spotlight's rig, so check out that rig rundown we did. But in, in the context of Shiner with Josh, where are you like battling each other, meaning for Sonic Space, like I'm sure Josh has got the mothership board. He does. And you're more of the meat and potatoes middle ground? Yes, that's okay. exactly right. And so and so I keep my role in that to just that to plan the chord structure and it doesn't have to be tons of effect like I might have in life and times yeah but um, yeah I just try to carry the song and then let Josh do his thing the all the atmospherics and stuff and he has so many great lines and uh, Paul really carries the chord progression so I can do more kind of like just meaty meat and potatoes that's, yeah. that's what it is it's, it's like a transformer you know i'm an 80s kid dating myself but like transformers in certain terms of like more of the meets the eye you guys combine and then you're this huge force for sure yeah i do and i like the way our guitars will kind of we find lines that work around each other and he's great with that he's just it's amazing so well i think we've wrapped up your portion alan and uh, it's time to talk to paul right on Kill thank it. you so thank much you. absolutely Cool, all right, I am on the same side of the stage, but on a different position. Now I'm with Paul, Mighty Paul. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Real good, man. I, I appreciate you doing this on such short notice, so Absolutely. let's just dive right into it. You said that this is a, not a home build, but you said this is a kind of a piece together? Yes, absolutely. It's a, it started out as a Japanese, or a Mexican Squire. Okay. 90s Squire. And that's what the body is? That's all, that's okay. the only thing that's left of that. Well, break it down for us. Well. It was great. I, it played great when I got it, and I bought it from a good buddy who's actually our merchandise guy, Darren. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get a backup that would fill in for my other one yeah. that I've had forever and, you know, kind of start with the basic same feel. Um, replace the bridge. This is a new old stock Kramer bridge made by Schaller. All right. Um, and it just dropped right on. It's great. New pickguard, new electronics. This pickup I had wound by some excellent guys in Kansas City, Fountain City Guitars. So they just wound me a hot ass pickup. Yeah, as I say, did you tell them anything? Just hottest. I mean, they, they they know what this one sounds like. I know. I, I just said it needs to be as loud as this bass and as articulate as the Elite, and and they threw it in there, and I love it. It picks up every. I mean, it's the most responsive pickup I've ever played through. So. And it's passive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the two knobs, which I love, the contrast there. Just, bit, the just, just volume and tone. and tone. And you know, I, I keep them the, the tone all the way up. I thought when I first got it, I thought it was going to be too bright, because, but once it kind of, you know, acclimated to the rest of my rig, I, I keep it kind up. Of toned all the tone. it down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and what about the neck? This neck is made by another Kansas City magician named Justin Mantooth. 
That's um, a great name. He's yeah, Tooth of Man. Anyway, he has a he, he's building guitars called Man Tooth, and um, I, he didn't actually build this neck. He just finished it all off. For okay. him. He was he he gets he was getting them from I don't know some guy in New York and and fully finishing them off. I believe this is cherry. Um, yeah, it has a different tint to it. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's a little a little thicker than I'm used to, but. I've acclimated and it's good. Um, yeah, so I just kind of tried to make something that I could play every day and beat the shit out of. Yeah, and, and well, it's definitely I, it's staying in tune like crazy. I, on tour, I'm pretty amazed. I pull it out of the case and it's mostly exactly in tune. Well, so. man, Paul, I'm going to put you on the spot and uh, hopefully you're going to make one man out there. But we all know <laughs> Ross Hurt very happy because. Uh, People trying to chase down your tunings, it's been quite elusive trying to go yeah, down that I've road. Yeah, I've read some some conversations about that because I've you know I haven't been like super secretive about yeah. it. But I've talked to a few people and some people try to figure it out, but uh, lay it on us. Well, there's two different tunings for Shiner, actually okay. three, but but the ma the main like the the main Shiner tuning is um, it's a unison tuning and. Um, it's C, G, C, and then C again. So, sounds kind of silly. Yeah. But, you know, when Let's you. Let's see, I hear it. So, I'm actually playing with my thumb and my second finger. That's what I'm using to note on everything. So, it kind of sounds like this. point of the the shiner catalog did you kind of from the jump the very first day i joined shiner we were on uh, my old band season of risk we were on tour with a band named glaze baby good friends of ours josh was in that band and um, shiner was out on tour with us and um at they they weren't happy with their bass player situation and i was kind of in a transitional time and yeah. they were like play bass with us and I said yes and then the next day that we were in Atlanta and then the next day we were in Pensacola and I'm sitting in the van playing my bass and um, Glaze Baby who were ballistic noise band you know and they would uh, they did this crazy tuning sometimes where they would do a unison on like the on the high strings and then slightly detune it so it just made this crazy weird modulated sound and I was fucking with that idea and I came up with this tuning and then as soon as you know as soon as I got back and we kind of went through the process of me leaving the band and joining Shiner the Alan had written a couple of songs already for the f uh, for the first record with me Lula Divinia and um, and yeah, just kind of right out of the box, the tuning that I came up with matched up with the riffs he was writing, and it just happened like that. It's crazy because how much you know we, we focus on gear in this specific show, with the amps and the basses and the pickups, but for you and the way that that just just pummels people is is part of that tuning and the way absolutely, it's kinda... absolutely. And then you know other components can be, you know, I I the the overdrive I use is a basic overdrive that. 
a lot of people use, yeah. and it's not a secret weapon of any sort, but that compiled with my tuning, compiled with, you know, I mean, I can plug into any amp and get a good sound, but, you know, the, the stuff that I use is definitely uh, a big part of the big picture, so. And, and just to clarify on the tuning, are you doing what you kind of alluded to with Glaze Baby? Where no, you, you're, no. You're, so they're locked in. I mean, the modulation happens just with the inconsistency of, consistency of my finger on where it's at, you yeah. know, or how much I'm pulling, or, uh, but generally I try to keep it, you know, pretty, see it's modulating a little bit there, but. I've not been around a herd of buffalo, but I feel <laughs> like that's what it would feel like. <laughs> Well, man, I want to talk about this bass now. Okay. This is an old friend. It is, it is. And, you know, I I got that back in 95 when I was in Season of Risk. And, uh, There's a lot of speculation about this instrument as well. Yeah, it, you know, it's it's well played, it's well loved. and But it's, a, I believe it's a 1983 Precision, Fender, Fender Precision Elite. Um, I'm not familiar with the Elite and what makes that different. Obviously, the pickups look different. And well, yeah, they, you know, clearly there's two precision pickups in here, and they're white. Uh, they look like they would be, they look like lay sensors. Yeah. But I think that was kind of the early version of what might have become a lay sensor. But they're actually passive pickups. Ah, what is some right. And then this part down here, this switch and, and tone stack are, it's an active mid-range preamp. So you have to, it is an active bass, but only the preamp part of it. The, the pickups are passive. Now, do you engage that? Uh, it's on all the time. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And then volume, volume. I, you know, as interesting and cool as the the bridge pickup is, it sounds like shit. It's super thin. <laughs> so you only go? Never. Okay. Never use it. I always, I just use the. And what about uh, tunings for this one? This one. You know, th th most of our songs for me are, are the drop C, but there's you know there's a handful of songs that are just the drop D tuning, like Al was talking okay. about. So it's uh, D G C F. Got it. Yeah. So. Um, too man yeah yeah I mean they sound <laughs> similar but this one's got a little more throat to it yeah and what should we know about strings and we covered tunings but what um, about strings you play? I use 55 to 110s or 50 to 110s and Dunlop like Allen yeah yeah cool and picks do you typically use picks or kind oh, of I use picks all I exclusively use, yeah, yellow yeah yellow Tortex um, is the thing for me I, I used to use greens they're just a little heavy yeah um, and actually before that, and par <laughs> partially reason this bass looks the way it does, I was using these copper picks for a while called hot licks. <laughs> and they were, they were flexible copper picks, not like real rigid. Yeah. Um, I was actually doing some demos in Chicago at Chicago Tracks and Ministry was recording um, the Psalm 69 record. Okay. And I was like, kind of looking at their gear, and there was a couple. There were some of these picks sitting on an amp, and I checked it out, and I actually took a couple out. So sorry. Anyway, used those for a while, but then they became really scarce, and you know, just shredding. What did you like about that sound that it would come off the string? Just that 
that real percussive. You know, yeah, especially in when I was in season of risk, my playing was super percussive and uh, rhythmic. You know, and I needed that extra bite. So, um, yeah. Well, and it definitely did a number on your it sure finish. Did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got it. Get a little scratched. Yeah. Speaking of scratch and dent, <laughs> we'll parlay that to this PV here, yep. which is you know another talking point about your setup. Uh -huh. But you've had this for a long time, and I, I love its origin story. So tell us about how you got it. Yeah, I you know I used to play Mesa 400 pluses with the Mesa 215 cab, and um, originally at when Shiner broke up in 2003. I hung on to that amp for a while, but I wasn't touring anymore, and a friend of mine wanted it, so I sold it to him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't have a great bass amp for a while, because I was mostly just doing studio stuff. But in, in Kansas City, we had a musician's friend, Scratch and Dent Warehouse, and I had some friends that worked there, and we would, just every day, new crazy, slightly damaged gear, or completely destroyed gear would come in. You yeah. Know? And um, I came across this, and I only paid fifty dollars for it. And what so. was the faulty part of it? it? It was missing a fuse cap. <laughs> <laughs> and so, to be clear, this is the PV. Uh, the, I think it's the CL four hundred classic four hundred. It's four hundred watts, uh, all tube, eight sixty-five fifties. Damn. Um, it's got two channels. The first channel is kind of voiced. It's clean, it's, it's voiced more like an old SVT. Okay. And then the second channel has a pre and post, and, and um, you can actually, like, if I turn off my overdrive and crank up the gain, you can actually get very useful gain out of it. And so do you live in the, the second channel pretty much? Always. Primarily? Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, you know, without my overdrive, but then, you know, It's, you know. And it moves there. And it sounds like, uh, it sounds great for guitar too, so. And what about the cab, which we know about that? That's uh, very unique looking. This cab was built by a buddy of mine in Kansas City, Scott Reed at Ranger Cabs. Um, and it's a, you know, it's basically the same as like a, a Mesa 215, which is an EV TL 808 design. Okay. So, uh, but that's two, two of those chambered boxes and there's uh, 400 watt EVMs. So it's an 800 watt cab. Damn. Yeah. And he did a great job building it, and I feel bad having it out on the road, scuffing it all up. But yeah, it looks like a piece of furniture. Yeah, but look at me. I mean, I'm all scuffed up. So <laughs> awesome. Now, what's on top here? Is that anything pertinent to your rig? That's a hazer. Ah. Oh well, yeah, it's <laughs> pertinent to the show, but not here. <laughs> yeah, I'm the light, on this tour. I'm the light guy and the bass player. So. Well, then that takes us to pedals. Yeah. We'll go back to this guy because this is the main. Sitch. Now, yeah, like you said before, you have kind of some standard pedals that everyone's familiar with. Yeah, yeah nothing. I mean, none of, of my pedals stuff. are anything that are that are out of the ordinary. Um, first in the chain is uh, just a Reball volume pedal. Um, I've got the tuner coming off of the tuner output on it, which I had never done before until recently, and it seems to work pretty good. Uh, the bass EQ, I've just, you know, I'm ducking a little bit of what, like 500 on there. Um, that goes into the Maxon Overdrive Tube Screamer-esque. And is the bass EQ, I imagine that's on all the time? Yeah, yeah, that stays okay. on. 
Um, the you know the only pedal that I use and well I use a couple of multiple songs, but um, is the Max on all the time? Max on is on all the time. Uh, anytime I need to get cleaner, I pull it back on the volume okay. or on my on my bass. Um, but uh, so yeah, the next in line, Phase 90. I had an orange one forever. It broke, and Josh had this. Van Halen one laying around, so yeah. I kind of tossed it in. I don't love it as much as I like the orange one, so I'll probably get another orange one. Um, but it's cool. Uh, bass whammy. And I use it for octave, like low octave stuff. Can we hear how you're using the phase? I know that it's not, yeah, a, yeah. you're not happy with it, but. No, I'm, ha I'm not, I don't dislike it. I just, I, I just, need, I just need to get a, a, an old orange one or a new orange one. I haven't tried one yet, but, uh, but so. The phase 90, I use, the primary thing I use it for is along with the whammy and oh, wow. the Ebo. So. Get the Ebo going here. What do you have the whammy set to to, to change? Low octave. Okay. So yeah, that's. Uh and I like so. One thing I use the whammy for is to just use my unison high strings mm -hmm. with no low string. So because I've. Because the parts that I write like that, I can't do the the monkey grip yeah. thing. So um, you know, it's like uh, I mean, it, it fills in for playing on the high string, so it's a pretty good trick. It works well. What do you got going on after that? Um, that's a boss metal zone. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta hear how you're running it. Yeah, yeah. I, the only thing I use the well, I use the metal zone for a couple of things. There's a, a song on our third record, Starless, called Giant Share, and it's got this. I, I run the metal zone into the next pedal, the MXR tremolo, and this is that sound. I just can't get enough of that that tone with <laughs> with the amp, your pickups, yeah. you playing the tuning, and that max on yeah. it's, it's and, crushing. Yeah, and then you know so if I'm if I want to get real noisy and, and feedback, it's at the the metal zone gets me there. So and so other than that application, are you using those two pedals in the end? Nope. No. And then they get the TC up top. Yeah, um, I, I'm using that on one song in the set, just uh, with the volume pedal, um, just kind of a. Thank you so much. Yeah. I love it. It sounds awesome. And uh, we apologize that we couldn't bring Josh. Hope you're traveling safe out there, Josh, and uh, come back and rock with Shiner real soon. Thank Thanks. you again, Paul. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan, wherever he's at. You guys rule. <laughs> Thanks for watching Rig Rundown.